This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember a few things. First, Dana deserves better. And second, I am Batman. In the year 2039, Gotham City has no heroes. Its people, no hope. Its youth, no future. Terry McGinnis was part of the problem. You can't control your temper, and you'd better if you expect to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I'll be a big success, just like you. Until a moment of violence brought him to the door of a man named Bruce Wayne. Let's put a smile on his face. Leave him alone. Once known as the Batman. Man, you're something. You okay? Now, the Dark Knight will rise again to drive the shadow of evil from the streets of Gotham. Let's go! Super villains, beware! There's a new Batman in town! Batman Beyond! You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! Justice returns to Gotham! Welcome to my world. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 244 of the DCAU Review. I am Cal, with me my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right, Liam. Liam, we are still here in our futuristic reviews for the month of January. And uh, as we returned back to the future last week with the rather hilarious double feature if you uh if you missed that episode uh and you you didn't do so intentionally i invite you to check it out <laughs> in the archives at dcaureview.com but we did a double feature of the zeta project last week liam we are back in gotham city or at least the futuristic gotham city here this week as we uh we get into the final 13 episodes of batman beyond this week with uh with an interesting one a return of a uh, recurring villain here that's right uh some some familiar faces uh, to talk about here we have the return of uh not only the royal flesh gang but really for the first time since uh, season one, we have a look at Paxton Powers uh, in the series as well. So that we are, of course, talking about the episode King's Ransom this week. Yes, indeed, Liam. This episode originally debuted, at least here in the States, back on September the 16th, 2000, meaning we are coming up. Uh, we just passed the 22 year anniversary and we'll be coming up on the 23 year anniversary of this episode's debut it's always nice when the uh, the years end in in zeros so it doesn't take that much to figure out how many years it's been the head math isn't too too <laughs> at that point uh but of course before we get into our full review and breakdown of this week's episode we will of course get to the official imdb synopsis for this week's episode which is of course brought to you by the pod tower head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower to get our entire catalog of episodes, including that aforementioned previous appearance by Paxton Powers and 
this week's villain group, the Royal Flush Gang, as, uh, as well as the rest of our entire catalog and some great content from other DCAU creators. Head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower, subscribe and like our videos today. Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for King's Ransom, which was written by Rich Fogel, uh, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Shirley Walker and animation by Coco and Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Reduced to doing Paxton Powers' dirty work, the Royal Flush Gang begins to fall apart. Batman has to clean up the mess. Kind of like that one. Yeah, there's a little... uh, That's like a good, like... That's a good, like, 15-second spot for this episode. Yeah, yeah. For our kids WB voiceover guy. I feel like you could uh, open up the TV guide in 2000 and you would see that little blurb. And if you don't know what a TV guide is, folks, before there was the uh, the TV guide channel, <laughs> is that still a thing? Um, there was an actual book that people got delivered to their homes <laughs> every week with a description of programming, uh, times, channels, etc. So uh, if, you, if you're interested, uh, they were also collectible. So go, go figure. <laughs> but I digress, Liam, as we get into our plot here for this week's episode. Yeah, that's right. So we uh, we kick it off. We're we're starting out hot and heavy, and that is something we'll we'll talk about, I guess, as we we get to our thoughts on the on the overall plot. This episode moves at a clip. Like we're lots going on. So we open up with the uh, the Royal Flush Gang, sort of a minus ten, of course, who is on the straight and narrow, as we come to find out. Um, uh, we have the Royal Flush Gang attempting to uh, to steal some sort of uh, of. Uh, uh, art a statue in fact as we come to find out and they're sort of immediately it's clear that they are they are not uh they're not having their best days uh, jack and king and queen all uh, sniping at each other for various things alarms are getting set off so they uh so as they sort of brute force their way into the museum and uh, find the statue in question of course who but batman shows up to uh to uh to thwart the thwart the attempted theft and uh, after some some uh, fisticuffs ace is sort of damaged and uh, as they attempt to get away jack is actually captured by batman and uh for not the last time in the episode king sort of makes the uh the decision to to not go back to try to help out a uh, a family member here and uh it's clear that the uh, the royal flush gang is is on their heels And you accepted this pittance. What choice did I have? This never would have happened if my father was still king. Here we go. Working for a reprobate like Powers was beneath him. He had class and made sure we were treated like royalty. We've just had a run of bad luck, that's all. Is it? Look at us. Ten is gone, Jack's in jail, and Ace, we can barely repair him anymore. Maybe it's time to fold our hand. No, it's not over. Give me one good reason not to walk away. Because I need you. And because I have a trump that can't fail. One that will put the Royal Flush Gang back on top. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not looking good. They uh, as they get back to their hideout, which we'll talk about, I assume, in, in uh, visuals, which is a uh, abandoned casino complete with artwork featuring the former Royal Flush Gang members, or at least uh, 
at least uh, effigies of them. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, Queen really giving King the business here. She's none too happy about their current situation. She compares him to her father, uh, him being King. She compares King to her father, the former King, and how uh, this would not be acceptable to her father and how things are being run now. And he is uh, King snaps back, letting letting her know that uh, he's doing the, pretty much the best that he can. She points out the fact that they're slumming it up in this uh, this abandoned casino and that they can't afford to repair Ace as we look over and see that the damage that he uh, he that he incur occurred during his fight with uh, with Terry or with Batman. Uh, his the damage sustained is, uh, is, is is he's he's seen better days, I guess, is a way of putting it. So uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's at this point that uh, that King says that, uh, you know, he's still working on it and that they're they're going to get their money from from this heist that they pulled. And, uh, you know, it, but Queen is is quick to remind him that working for uh uh, a reprobate as she calls him like powers was was beneath her father and oh king assures her that it's temporary that he's got another plan but uh he he goes and he delivers the uh the this trophy to to paxton powers that he stole this cat statue thing and uh upon the delivery uh Paxton realizes that it has been damaged and he's not going to pay full price for it. King attempts to, uh, to, to kind of shake Paxton down nonetheless, but is, uh, is sort of has his, his behind handed to him by Paxton's rather formidable assistant uh, who, uh, who uh, may or may not come into to play later on here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yes. So, as we move along here, as I said, uh, Queen none too happy that they have to sort of slum it up, that they're dealing with Paxton Powers. And uh, King says he has another idea as he returns. Uh, and uh, he, he has another idea, it, once again, involving Paxton. Uh, but this time, uh, it's not going to be Paxton uh, sending them to do work. Nope. Um, they show up at Paxton's uh, penthouse, and they are there to take him captive. So they kidnap Paxton and uh, wouldn't you know it? They're holding him for a King's ransom. Hey, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> There's nothing like a rub down after a hard day of corporate raiding. Yes, Mr. Powers. That will be all, <gasps> Miss Thorpe. What? Ah! need to follow up on our recent transaction, Mr. Powers. Please, don't hurt me. I'll give you anything you want. Indeed, you will. Yes, there's a lot of, uh, as we'll get to, there's a lot of uh, card puns in this episode. A everything lot of, they say. <laughs> but then they switch it up and Bruce... go to chess, too. Then, then yes. it's checkmate later on. So Yes, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of wordplay, especially, I think, almost every word out of Bruce and Terry's mouth in this episode is <laughs> either a chess or a uh, a card game uh, pun but yes uh, after the uh, after the abduction takes place we actually do get our first look at uh, what melanie aka the former 10 has been up to she's working in a restaurant seemingly has her life at least a little bit together 
and uh, but of course then she sees the news of her of her of her former uh, her former gang her family having abducted Paxton Powers and as she goes to kind of gather her thoughts outside she's confronted by none other than Batman who comes to her and and asks uh, asks if she has any info and she's very adamant that she hasn't talked to anyone in her family since uh, since the last time that they had all run afoul of Batman and. Uh, as he's about to leave, uh, she asks him uh, if Terry ever got the note that she had given Batman to give to him uh, in the episode. And uh, Terry assures that yes, uh, or the Batman assures her that yes, Terry did get the note. And and uh, Melanie sort of has this remark that she she must be dead to Terry as well. So. Things are not looking great for uh, for Melanie, but uh, you know she's a bad person. So. <laughs> <laughs> not as bad as Terry, but <laughs> true. Anywho, Both true. Hashtag Dean deserves better. Clear off table seven. I'm still waiting on a salad. Where's table five's meatloaf? <sighs> Reportedly been abducted. Officials refuse to comment, but inside sources say that the notorious Royal Flesh Gang may be involved. Long the scourge of Gotham, the gang has most recently been involved in a number of art heists around town. As of this moment, there have been no ransom demands. You okay, Mel? The police are intensifying their search I need for the some air. CEO. Can I get that to go? Look, I haven't talked to my parents in months. I had nothing to do with that powers business. I know. But if you should hear anything... I won't. As far as they're concerned, I don't exist. I'm sorry. Wait! You remember that note I gave you? The one for Terry McGinnis? Did he... Yeah. He got it. I guess I don't exist to him either. Uh, but yes, as, as we go, uh, the Royal Flesh Gang having Paxton tied up and he's sort of trying to, uh, to tell them that he personally doesn't have a lot of money. You know how rich people are always claiming they don't have that much money? Mm-hmm. Well, Paxton's doing that. Yes, and, uh, and And so uh, he's claiming that all of his money is tied up in, in dividends and company perks. And, that, uh, and so as, as King is uh, again frustrated and Queen is again sort of questioning King's resolve. Uh, King is going to call Bruce Wayne and try to get a ransom out of Bruce Wayne, who uh, is, is very quick to dismiss this idea, noting that uh, that Wayne Enterprises has a a strict policy against negotiating with terrorists, and that in fact Paxton himself had written the policy, which I love as a little wrinkle because you have to assume at some point Paxton was either hoping or planning to kid to have someone kidnap Bruce. Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. And then use this as the justification for why the company wouldn't pay to get him back. Yep. But here it's it's uh, seemingly turned uh, turned the other way. Mm. Wayne here. Mr. Wayne, I'm sure you're aware of your company's present predicament. But I'm a fair man. You can have your president back for a mere 20 million credits. No deal. Perhaps you didn't understand. If you don't pay, we'll be forced to dispose of him. I understand perfectly. But it's against company policy to pay terrorists or kidnappers. 
Ask Paxton. He wrote the policy. Uh, Bruce? You're, you're not really gonna... Relax. It's not over. And uh, we sort of, again, as after Bruce refuses the, uh, the ransom demands, we see Queen and King again are sort of at each, at each other's throat. And right when King is... Uh, looks like he's about to take the sword to Paxton... Uh, Paxson suggests that perhaps there is another uh, another way and, and lets him in on a little secret that he has been sort of a has a private collection of uh, of stolen art and jewels and uh, that there's there's a specific crown in his collection that is worth uh, twice what they were asking Bruce for. So as uh, as King is about to call Paxson's assistant and tell her to bring it to him. Uh, instead, Queen has an idea, which is that they get a, a sort of neutral third party to uh, to bring them the crown. And that is, of course, once again, they call Bruce Wayne. And that sort of sets up our, our next big action sequence here as uh, it's Bruce arriving with the crown, supposed to do an exchange. Uh, before that exchange can take place, uh, we do have uh, the note that Paxton has a, a sort of uh, an extra offer for the Royal Flesh Gang. And that's he feels that once it's revealed that he has the secret stolen art collection that Bruce will use this to send him to jail and get him ousted from the company. So if uh, that if the, the Royal Flesh Gang agrees to also uh, Bruce Wayne in the uh, in the ensuing melee that he can uh, perhaps reward them even further. So we're, we're setting up our our big confrontation here as uh, as Bruce and Terry go and collect the crown there. The crown of Tikal. It disappeared from a museum in Mexico City three years ago. Are you sure you want to ransom this creep? It's my move. I'm just sweetening the pot. You have it? Excellent, Mr. Wayne. We'll meet you. Congratulations, Paxton. Your investments have paid off. Yeah, right. You don't seem too happy. Happy about going to jail? Wayne hates me. When he tells the district attorney about my collection, I'll be locked up for years. Unless... <clears throat> what? Unless Wayne was dealt out of the game, then my secret would be safe. I'd have access to millions in company credits, and I'd be in a position to show my gratitude. Are you saying... Yes. Eliminate Wayne. And uh, and uh, we're, we're setting up this confrontation. Terry is sort of playing lookout, but then is knocked out by Ace, who is uh, also who is he, the lookout knocks out the other lookout. <laughs> and, uh, and then we set up this this really fun confrontation. And again, something we'll probably talk about more in visuals, but where Bruce is sort of left to fend for himself against uh, against King and Queen as he realizes that he's been had and that uh, this is now an assassination attempt. But uh, Thankfully, not only does Terry recover in time to uh, to take out Ace, but uh, another Ace is there on the scene to uh, to save Bruce right in the nick of time. You might say he has an Ace in the hole. In fact, he literally says that. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, he does. But uh, yes, thankfully, uh, Ace, not the Bat Hound, just Ace. Uh, the the dog uh, is able to uh, to come to Bruce's rescue just when all seems lost, attacking King. So we have King tussling with uh, with Ace the dog. We have Terry sort of going round and round, both with 
Ace the robot and Queen here, and then Bruce, who is tussling with chest pains, as it appears that he is having some sort of cardiac event uh, that he has to uh, to take some pills with. So it's Bruce versus his uh, uh, childproof uh, lock uh, t- that he's trying to get off of his uh, his bottle of, of chest, <laughs> chest pills. Oh man, three just battles that you have been dying to see. Uh, and but yes, yeah, so uh, we. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so good oh, man. uh so uh, at, at the at the culmination of the fight uh terry or Br- batman is able to to overwhelm and overtake queen and uh and and sort of short circuit ace as we see him you know, short circuit in a fountain and uh and begin to fall apart and then it's uh it's ace the dog versus king and uh ace sort of holds on for dear life as as king begins to depart grabbing not before uh, he gra- grabs the crown though and uh takes off and he's uh ace the dog drops off to the ground uh, holding a piece of uh, of king's costume and as king stands there floating on his flying uh, playing card he looks down and uh and sees batman handcuffing queen uh who uh who he had finally overtaken in battle and as he looks a queen can't believe it but she sees him taking off and batman remarks that uh, he's cut his losses guess he decided to cut his losses he wouldn't he couldn't he did good boy what kept you they had an ace in the hole luckily so did i uh, so at, at that point, it appears that King has, uh, has has made off with the crown and once again, as he did in earlier in the episode, has abandoned one of his family members. Uh, the very next scene we cut to uh, back to the, the abandoned casino where we see King celebrating the, uh, the return of uh, his loot and assuming uh, him being able to reestablish himself as a, uh, as a fine gang leader. He'll just go find a new family probably, or he'll make a new family perhaps with the, uh, the double cross reveal as we, we recognize that uh, who was in on this all along to help King out. But uh, Miss Thorpe, the assistant to Paxton Powers, as she recognizes now that she was uh, she was involved with the plan. The plan the whole time was to get Paxton's security codes. She was aware of this uh, this collection of, uh, of rare stolen goods that he had, but didn't have the security codes. Now that they have the security codes. Uh, herself and King can run off and be together. And uh, it is at this moment that for some reason, I don't know why it's not really explained, but Queen who we last saw handcuffed in the previous scene is now free sort of again, I guess Terry either let her go or brought her with him in pursuit of King. It's not really clear, Um, but uh, Mm -hmm. she's not too happy and hell hath no fury like a woman scorned as they say. And uh, she is there as we get a, a battle between King and Queen. And in the meantime, the very formidable Miss Thorpe, who uh, was doing some some pretty strong martial arts earlier in the episode, as we mentioned, uh, pretty handedly 
handing out some fisticuffs to to King. She and Batman do battle, but uh, Batman eventually overtakes him. And uh, Queen has been taken out by King. She's uh, she's knocked unconscious. So that leaves King and Batman. And uh, they're going back and forth with some verbal sparring. And King exclaims that Batman doesn't understand. He doesn't know what it's like to have to sit there and listen to being uh, constantly compared to somebody else, to be living life in someone else's shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is, is that in that moment, the ironic defeat of King is done by none other than the, the portrait of Queen's father, the original King drops from the heavens and lands on top of King knocking him out. And, uh, and there ended our, the reign of this self-proclaimed King. Nothing I ever did was good enough for your Royal Highness. <laughs> well, I want out. No one's going to stop me. <laughs> You fool, you let him right to us. Have you flipped your crown? I couldn't stand it anymore. The constant comparison. Do you have any idea what it's like living in someone's shadow? Get a, a nice postscript here as uh, as at Gotham <laughs> at uh, GCPD. Not only is uh, King been been uh, remanded into custody, we also have uh, we have Paxton Powers, who we realize is also being taken into custody <laughs> as uh, as he's threatening as as every rich person does when they are arrested. They're going to sue. They're going to own everything. They can't mm-hmm. talk to him like that. Uh, that they can't believe that they're accusing him of trying to kill Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is like a father to him. And then Barbara Gordon makes a remark about how, yes, but Bruce doesn't glow in the dark, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, we then get a nice cut to one of the cells uh, at GCPD where Jack is sitting and they let him know that his, uh, that his, uh, his bail has been posted and he's being let out. And uh, who's there to meet him? None other than Melanie AKA 10, as she remarks that, uh, she, she had to, she had to hand out a lot of salads at the the restaurant in order to pay for his bail. But, uh, she'd like to offer him a job working at the same restaurant, washing dishes. And, uh, Jack gleefully accepts noting that he was, uh, he was quite, quite, uh, talented at, uh, at washing dishes <laughs> at the, uh, the juvenile hall where he was formerly, a resident so uh we get a, a nice little bow put on it as uh, batman flies away so and that is the the uh the episode this week uh give me your thoughts on the the plot this week liam yeah like i said i think there's a lot it moves as we said it moves very quickly there's a lot of moving parts to this that introduced the royal flesh gang in you know that they're in crisis sort of and then you have to introduce the paxton powers side of you have to do the kidnapping, then the the counter plan of killing Bruce Wayne, all leading to this extra triple swerve where it turns out that, you know, at the whole episode, the whole episode, it seems like Queen is, you know, is, is at her wits end with King. And meanwhile, it turns out that he's been, you know, stepping out on her and was planning to leave her behind. Uh, 
but uh, so there's a lot, you know, the the, the old uh, no honor amongst thieves. There's a lot of double, double and triple crosses in this episode. So I think it's a lot of fun. Like you said, you, like I said, I think there is a lot. Um, so I could understand maybe if if you if people thought this there's like a little too much in this. Mm-hmm. But uh, but overall, I think it's a lot of fun. I do have some, and these questions might be better uh, soon. <laughs> to be directed to uh, some of our, our friends over at the Watchtower database. So Queen's father was the former king. Mm-hmm. I would assume this is not the king from the Justice League episode. Correct. So probably someone, and, and I, it's not clear if like there's a familiar familial relation in every version of the Royal Flesh Gang or not. Correct. The Royal Flesh Gang is just a bunch of people, a bunch of teenagers that Cadmus who earned and the Joker and whoever screwed right. over. So I'm like, well, I, so I'm like, is there, a, is there any familial connection between this queen um, and the original ro- Royal flesh gang that we see in, in wild cards? I, I don't think there's any reason to assume that there is, like you said, because I mean, you, you could, I guess, because they were all teenagers, right? Cadmus teens, but I don't, mm-hmm. I think that based on, was there a British one? That's the question. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess, could there have been three generations between? No, right? I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think. So more... somebody else just took up the, the mantle and, yeah. and his daughter uh, and, his, and her husband and, and their daughter end up taking up the mantle sometime after that right like in my head canon it would be like there was some british gang that copied what they saw on the widely seen cadmus teens that were all over you know trying to blow up vegas or whatever it was okay like they it's sort of like how the joker jokers in in uh the beyond timeline sort of model themselves after the joker but there's no okay. real relation there it's just they they took up the spirit of what the what the joker was i guess that makes sense and there is uh there's the line i think in the first episode where king talks about batman having broken up the gang once before or something like that but that doesn't sure. he certainly doesn't say the justice league broke up our gang after we tried to blow up Las Vegas. So <laughs> right. That's true. Hard yeah. to hard to pull a direct comparison. But that was just something I was thinking about. But yes, I think I think overall it's an interesting episode. It's interesting because King and Queen are really like the stars of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as we said, Bruce and Terry are mostly there. Um, I mean they're around, but it's mostly them just trying to figure out what's going on. And then as we said, making a lot of uh, card game and chess related puns mm-hmm. um so it's i think it's it was an interesting idea and then also throwing in paxton powers who is a character we really haven't seen since that first season who felt like you know he was going to be the the harry osborne of the show maybe and again that might come back to what they originally had planned for a second season versus what happened when they were sort of told to to make it more like Buffy or, or whatever the, the edict was from, from kids WB at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's interesting that they just kind of threw him back in there and then, you know, write him out right back out of the, the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. So like I ended up settling on a, on an eight out of 10. I do really enjoy the episode. And like I said, I think those, those final twists and turns of the episode kind of make it like a, 
you know, a, a heist casino thriller, like a, you know, it's not quite Ocean's Eleven or something, but it's all, all the twists and turns and double crosses, I think are a lot of fun. And, and I like our little, our little happy ending where, you know, Melanie may not have Terry, she may not have her parents, but that she, you know, she and Jack are going to make a, a legitimate, uh, you know, are going to have a legitimate try of, uh, of making a, a fresh go of things. So I like, I like the little bow that, is put on this for this story where, you know, maybe, maybe King and Queen are, are lost causes, but maybe the next generation is going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I actually gave it the same exact score an eight out of 10. Um, it is wall to wall action. As you said, it uh, it's, a, I think an, an interesting story with all the twists and turns. And, and as you mentioned, the double triple cross um, I love the idea that, queen just berates king for not being enough like her father and he just <laughs> finally has enough of it um that uh, that he decides to just go off on his own and um ultimately that's his downfall because ironically they're a, they're the royal flush gang it's not just king the reason why they seemingly were so successful especially if you look the fight between uh, Batman and the gang that occurs at the, the fountain. If it wasn't for really, if it wasn't for Ace, the dog, they're probably Bruce probably ends up dead. Uh, mm-hmm. they, clearly they have him outnumbered uh, that the, the numbers game catches up with Batman pretty quickly in that three on one. So imagine if it was five on one or six on one, as the gang originally uh, was set up, then you have a very different you're telling a very different story so i think it's ironic that the guy who decided to to cut people off in order whether it's because they you know didn't want to live this life of crime anymore or if it was because they were of no use to him or because they were you know questioning his leadership he's cutting all these people off around him he ends up by himself and because of that he's outdone because one-on-one he's no match for batman like that's the that's the really poetic thing that i think works out there at the end with this story so i love it i think it's written really well it's a lot of fun it does feel much more like a like an early season um, you know season one episode than it does you know some of the later sillier episodes that we saw so i like that Mm -hmm. return to return to form there you know it's just it it very much feels like you could have cut and paste this into a any of the other dcau show shows also it just so happens to take place here uh in the in the beyond world so you you know you could have had this you know gang going for a heist and then double crossing batman really like i said in any of those other shows so um i I love that feel and uh, some some great great work by uh by rich fogel and butch lukic on this this episode so uh really really enjoyed it i think it's i think it surprised me to a point also i was like Mm -hmm. i I don't remember this one being so much fun but it's definitely definitely a lot of fun all right liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be animation and visuals and as you mentioned at the top we had coco and dong yang here um i will start off with just saying my one critique that i had Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if you watched this on hbo max or if you watched it on the blu-ray or dvd I watched it on HBO Max and there is something off in a lot of the scenes where the blacks, the, like the deep black colors ended up being like a gray, like a mm-hmm. they, they don't quite match up. 
And that takes me out of the scene so often because you, you, it just is very distracting because things that you know that are supposed to be colored and in some scenes are colored this deep, rich black color and other scenes are this lighter gray and you can kind of see some of the, uh, the places where the cell shading was supposed to be or in the drawings and it's really, really distracting and it happens a lot because this is an episode that features a lot of characters that have this dark black on them. Batman's suit keeps changing colors from dark gray to dark black to, you know, to somewhere in between the two of them. Same thing happened with, uh, with Bruce, uh, Bruce's outfit in, uh, especially in the scene where they're, they're making the ransom call. Uh, the suit kept changing from, from this deep, dark black to purple to black again. Um, I don't know if that's a, these were episodes that were already done in digital animation. So this shouldn't have been something like a, a remaster, right? What, what do you think could have possibly happened that has caused this? Yeah. I mean, I, I have to assume this would have, would have been an issue with the original like color coloration of the, of the, the cartoon back in the day. Cause yeah, I would assume other than an up res, there's not a lot of color correction going on in in these these Blu-ray sets, uh, other than you know just up resing them to you know to modern modern television standards. So, yeah, I just have to assume that's that's just a mistake, uh, a rare mistake. Like we, you know, you get one of those every other frame in a Super Friends or something, or mm-hmm. you know, an old Hanna Barbera cartoon or even in the original animated series. I mean, we talked about, you know, Heart of Ice is the first one that comes to mind where the, you know, color, where the bat symbol keeps flipping colors and and things like that. There's, so it does happen, but those types of mistakes, like a coloration mistake seems increasingly rare as we got deeper and deeper into these shows. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you said you're in the digital animation and, and digital coloration era of uh of making these cartoons yeah so that that is that is interesting like i yeah the, the only thing i could chalk it up to would be a uh you know a coloration mistake i mean the only other uh, only other thing i could think of was that it was a like a very very dark gray but then the the brightening for the hd release just made it pop more as a a lighter you know mm-hmm. a slightly less dark gray i mean that's mm-hmm. that's also a possibility that i think that does that can happen with these uh, digitally cleaned up cartoons sometimes is that there's you know the the colors are that were sort of meant to be left murkier and then darker sometimes get brightened up by you know a, a part of the process of of making everything you know suitable for hd and so that that would be my only other guess on a, on a technical issue but yeah that is that is fascinating it's not something we run into certainly i can't ever remember running into it on beyond for sure yeah, yeah, that was the only thing that that distracted me uh, quite a bit was the the constant changing of the and a lot of it, it occurs in scenes where there's multiple like the backgrounds are deep, rich black. Like I said, there's you know this, mm-hmm. this episode takes place with the exception of the I think with the exception of the final scene, everything takes place at night, so everything is in this deep dark shadow, and there's just there's from scene to scene it changes you know there are some some scenes where king's hood is is deep rich black and blends in directly with the backgrounds and then there's the next scene where it stands out and it's gray and you can kind of see these these uh these 
lines underneath of it where there would have been like a, a cell coloration or a, you know a, a shadow mark almost it's very very odd same thing happened on on batman's costume and a couple of the different scenes but um that's my one nitpick for the episode because i thought the rest of the episode because of all of the action there's so many really fun sequences and things that stand out i think from the get-go the the chase on the cards is great and batman knocking jack right off of his uh his playing card through the glass window is a great is a great way to uh, to to kick off the episode with this this chase scene and um, you, you know, we get the return of the, uh, the Batman finger microphones, uh, you know, up against the glass, uh, you know, something we hadn't seen in, in some time, uh, probably since the middle of, of season two. Uh, but, uh, always love seeing that, that piece of technology used. We get a lot of Batman remembering he can turn invisible in this episode, <laughs> by the way, we didn't even, I mean, it, it doesn't help him at the end when, uh, when Ace, the, uh, Ace, the robot who has, uh, has the ability to see thermal imaging can see can uh uses that to to find out where batman's location is but he actually uses his invisibility for for good and smart reasons here today so uh i I enjoyed that um one thing i picked up on i don't know if you noticed this speaking of that aforementioned uh, negotiation scene but the scene where bruce is sitting there and uh you know he he uh the king calls him and and demands the ransom and bruce sort of subtly gleefully uh responds that he's not going to negotiate with mm-hmm. terrorists and uh he predicts it's uh it's not over he said you know terry kind of looks at him and asks him you know you're not going to let him die are you and he's like it's not over trust me so then they cut back to to king and queen and paxton and that's where they they come up with their plan and then the phone call back to bruce and bruce is sitting there sipping his tea and he looks over at terry as the phone rings and he kind of gives the very classic subtle alfred eyebrow raise like he gives it's <laughs> very subtle i don't i'm gonna say it's intentional because based on the situation but i'm like he got that eyebrow lift from alfred no <laughs> doubt like he's giving him the subtle like told you so as the phone rings and, <laughs> and is uh is king once again demanding a, a different way to to ransom paxton but uh i thought that that was a nice little subtle subtle thing where if it wasn't done intentionally as an homage to alfred i think you could chalk it up to it in my head canon there is a nice little love that nice little uh, homage to alfred and then uh, as i mentioned the aforementioned uh ace vision where we get thermal imaging was pretty awesome the fight scene at the end the, the like the triple battle that you have going on between you know batman taking on ace and then queen uh bruce doing his own battle with king and then ace jumping ace the dog jumping in to fight king like what a rapid fire piece of action so many cool little bits in that in that scene in particular yeah i was i was gonna say i i straight up fist pumped when uh when when bruce snaps his face comes leaping out of the uh, uh out of the car window to save save bruce right as king's about to fire his uh his energy weapon at him i was like yeah that's that's a great bit there and there's a great shot of uh as 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 king is like for the next two minutes of screen time we just see like as Bruce is dealing with first dealing with Queen, and then we cut back to Terry, and, and Terry's not you know taking care of Ace, and then Paxton gets knocked off his playing card uh, surfboard and gets like strung up in a tree, and then uh, and then we, you know action's kind of all focused on Terry. You know Ace comes flying down, and some of his circuitry is exposed, so he gets 
he falls into a fountain and then he sort of jumps out and immediately is this giant electricity. And meanwhile, just once in a while, we cut to an angle where we can still see King and Ace just like wrestling and rolling back and forth on the ground. <laughs> it's a really kind of funny, uh, funny bit of uh, there's, there's kind of a few moments of like oh, not quite slapstick, but some some funny uh, some funny uh, choices made there. And then there's a shot of we kind of get like King's POV shot dealing with Ace and Ace is uh, you know is in trying to protect Bruce that is he's like frothing at the mouth and he has all this slobber all over his jaws and he's really baring his teeth. I thought that was that was that whole sequence is. Is really fun just the shot of the way it's animated of of ace sort of flying over the uh ace the robot flying over the uh the trees and then batman flying behind him and and sort of knocking into him and set he sends ace flying and ace like skips like he's a rock on the lake skips over the tops of the trees into Paxton, Paxton falls into the trees, and Ace falls into the uh, the fountain. Just some of the the kind of sequential action that they pulled off in in that uh, that big second act action sequence, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, I, the the whole thing, uh, you know, I I love that Bruce gets a little bit of uh of batman time sort of he does the the mm -hmm. disappearing act where he's drowning in the fountain and he tricks tricks king uh he's wearing this big overcoat and king goes to drown him and he he pulls the fake out and does the the disappearing act reappearing act from behind and then the he kind of uses the cane like he would a batarang where he kind of hurls it in, in king's direction i loved that um yeah, I, I think there's that whole that whole scene. Also, uh, meanwhile, the the fisticuffs that are occurring between Batman and Queen are really really fun because there's this neat little sequence that they animated so smoothly, where Batman it, it's it's right at the end. Queen sort of swings at him with it, her her mace, and uh, Batman catches her wrist, pops out the the old timey. Uh, tnba bat cuffs and cuff uh, this is after he's done a complete flip over top of her a back flip and pops the uh the the, the handcuffs on her the bat cuffs on her uh, just a a great little quick like two and a half second little animation but it was done so smoothly and done so well i absolutely loved it um yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I could, there's a couple of other things that I could bring up. The, you know, I love the, the, the weapons that the the Royal Flush Gang use outside of their standard weapons. Speaking of which, there's a a great, a great little sequence that was done where uh, it's actually a, a cut to commercial break where they're, they're about to kill Bruce, and uh, then they come back and it's just a shot of King and he picks up his sword and he turns it ever so slightly and mm -hmm. you see the reflection of Bruce standing before him in the sword. Just a really cool little sequence there. It's again, it's real short, it's real quick, but man, how cool is that to be able to see the reflection in the sword? It just brings this, you know, animation to life. Um, really really beautiful i love this episode lots of fun lots of fun outside of the fact that you have this super cool colorful set of villains um and that are that are always entertaining to look at on screen you have so many great uh animated fights and and uh and this action that that occurs pretty much non-stop uh, throughout and then at the end you get to, <laughs> i love that they gave uh they gave jack a little pirate shirt 
he gets like a little, yeah. little Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld pirate puffy shirt <laughs> on the way out uh, as, as he and Melanie are there talking. So uh, that was just the, that was just like the the cherry on top for me as far as <laughs> the animation and visuals this week. And uh, that's why. Uh, it, and we get a nice little Batman flying away as the sun rises mm-hmm. or sunsets, one or the other. But uh, animation and visuals very strong. The only thing that took me out was that sort of black, gray, whatever was happening with that. So I gave it a very strong nine out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I gave it the exact same score. Um, if we if we didn't touch on it enough, the final uh, sequence in the uh, oh yeah in the casino and and you you mentioned it. It's like this this old abandoned playing card factory or, or, or I think it's oh, a casino. casino. I think it's You're a right. Casino. It's casino. Cause there's like billiards tables and, and, and blackjack tables and things like that. Uh, and, and as mentioned, there's these giant uh, playing cards uh, hanging from the ceiling. It's just, it's just a great, like the, the background I thought was so incredible in that, in that whole bit, but the, it's fun. Whole episode, king, king and queens, their weapons. King, queen has this like staff with a big jewel on the on the head of it, and and king has a sword, and they 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 both sort of fire off energy of some kind, but it's not the way they sort of animated. It, it's it's more like a like a like a white flame than it is. It's not really electricity. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way. It sort of flickers around the uh, you know when it's when it's about to fire, it sort of flickers and more like a flame than like uh you know a bolt of lightning or something so i thought that was a that was a cool idea to uh, to visualize that uh that power and then i i was kind of surprised by how brutal that that shot at the end as when when batman re-emerges in the fight as as, as queen and king are, are uh are are fighting each other and then he realized that batman's there and he just fires this blast of uh of, of energy at, at queen and she just gets slammed through a wall and you just see the shot of her like leaning like halfway out of the, the destroyed sign of the building i was like that was surprisingly like i mean it's it's an energy you know it's a magic you know a, a nondescript white energy blast so it's not like it was a bull thing or like a closed fist or anything but i was like that's still pretty brutal like i was yeah. i was surprised it kind of reminded me, isn't, isn't there a scene in one of the Superman episodes where he's fighting Livewire where that happens, where she gets like thrown into a, into a neon sign, maybe? I think so, yeah. Like it was very similar to that in my mind, like mm-hmm. it, where she, you know, she sort of hang, her body's just sort of lifelessly hanging over the end of it. Yeah, quite, quite brutal. It goes without saying also the, the demise of King being crushed by a giant card. <laughs> is it evokes like every classic 60s batman uh you know batman 66 villain getting mm-hmm. their comeuppance you know with with a uh with a giant playing card crushing him like that classic batman evoked here in in uh in the future neo gotham with the villains still getting their comeuppance by uh by poetry absolutely yeah so that yeah that whole last sequence is great uh Paxson's uh, assistant who they, they give a name to I think it's Sable Thorpe mm-hmm. she has a very striking design I don't know if she was based on like based on who the voice actor of King I thought maybe she was based on like a specific Bond girl or something mm-hmm. um, but I couldn't necessarily find a direct analog so if anybody has any ideas about that feel free to uh, tweet us or or comment on our on our Instagram uh, at DCAU review and let us know but I, I like that design and again that 
that last second twist in the story and and her yeah that that whole sequence where she's uh where she's just kind of kicking the crap out of of uh out of king at the start of the episode is interesting too so yeah there's a lot of uh, a lot just a lot of fun stuff across this episode as far as visuals go and if i if i didn't put over the 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 backgrounds and everything in the uh the uh the art museum at the start of the episode are really strong too so just uh, yeah really good work uh, across the board yeah the uh the background the one that stood out to me was where king and uh king meets paxton for the first time like it's very it's very classic batman it looked like a painted background uh, it was mm-hmm. it was not a it was not a digital background it was much more the traditional you know painted dark almost batman the animated series style background uh so much much appreciated on that one so yeah lots lots of good work solid all the way around and uh, superb in some areas uh, as reflected in both of our scores all right liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be music correct me if i'm wrong uh the late great shirley walker you said responsible for this this week absolutely yes Uh, a rarity in this uh in this era i was gonna say yeah by even by even by superman i think you i think she was still overseeing and conducting the orchestras but uh, seeing her as the also as the credited composer i think got a little bit more more rare as as time went on once you know people like lolita ritmanis and michael mcquistian chris christopher carter were brought on but uh yeah, it was it was really fun uh, to see that name pop up. And one note that I did have, and it was I I don't have a ton of notes on music because it is still mostly I think your your standard beyond fair as far as your you know your drum machine kind of you know fast paced action music and a lot of the scenes in between like the scenes when Bruce and Terry are 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 sitting in the manor and 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 King and Queen and Paxton and the uh, are. Uh, are making the ransom call there is no music so the music actually does lay out quite a bit uh in our non-action sequences but one note i did have is i thought at it, in that final action sequence where where king is sort of monologuing about being stuck in someone's shadow and and all of this and and sort of really breaking down in front of batman there's there's like some some non-typical beyond typical maybe for a shirley walker score but not typical for a batman beyond score there, you still have the guitar and the drums, but some some more traditional strings and things get brought in over top of it mm-hmm. and sort of lay those those strings on top of the guitar, which I thought uh, gave it a, a very sort of interesting sound as it is. It, it still fits within the show, but there's a little bit more as he's, you know, giving this sort of soliloquy about being, uh, you know, in the shadow of of his uh, of his father-in-law that it, it, you brought in a little bit more of the traditional music which i think it works because it's a very as you said a very traditional batman villain sort of uh scenario to find yourself in right down to the the way he's uh, undone by the playing cards so i i appreciated a little bit more uh of, of the strings being brought in and and then i also like kind of the the sort of soft more more tender music that that comes in in the very last scene as as melanie and jack are kind of having their heart to heart as well yeah i didn't have um i didn't have too many additional notes other than what uh i agree with the things that you had said those were some of the notes that i had i I think the scene where uh, batman goes to speak with melanie and um her her sort of reaction to being feeling like she's abandoned or feeling like she's all alone um you know as batman flies away there's sort of the the strings and and synth come in together as you mentioned and 
um, yeah, I, I don't think that there's, uh, there's anything that stood out as a, as a, as a single piece that would be, uh, unique in a, in a world where so many of the, the pieces are great. They just, they don't necessarily differentiate themselves. I think the strings do add something to, uh, a, a few of the, the scenes and punctuate, uh, some of the more, more important moments, um, especially as, as King is yelling at Batman about being living in somebody else's shadow, as you mentioned. But uh, I think, I think overall it's a, it's a good solid episode. Um, you know, nothing, nothing to hate on. Uh, I think the the chase scene at the very beginning was, was, uh, was soundtracked very well. Um, and that was a, that was another note that I had. There was some, some great, even though it's a, a short chase that ends in, in Jack being thrown through a window, it, it is, uh, it is done incredibly well, as was the case, as I point out through, uh, throughout the DCAU. So very strong, uh, went with, a, a a good seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah, <laughs> not surprisingly, perhaps I, uh, I settled on the exact same score of a seven three for three. 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like I said, there's nothing, nothing outstanding or, or super memorable, but, uh, like I said, I think, I think it always works and, as we talk about, sometimes it's about uh, you know, it's about the notes you don't play to uh, to sound really uh, really <laughs> up my own uh, took us about uh, about musical theory for a moment here. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's it's a good soundtrack, and uh, like I said, I think there's some some certain high notes, uh, if you will forgive a pun. Agreed. There you go. All right, Liam, let's uh, let's bring it on home here with our final category of the day, and that of course is going to be voice acting. We have some individuals returning from prior roles. We have uh, some characters returning with new voices being cast in their stead. Uh, let's talk about this week's voice cast. That's right. So uh, as, as mentioned, we have, a, we have a new voice actor for Jack, uh, that being Nicholas Guest, who uh, d- has done a, a few other kind of ancillary voices for, uh, for the DCAU shows as, as well as... Uh, as well as a lot of other voice uh, work to his uh, to his credit, um, I really love him uh, in, in that last scene with the uh, the returning Olivia Dabo, who again doesn't have as much to do here. She just has the one scene with Batman and that final scene. But that final scene between uh, b- between uh, Mister Guest and Miss Dabo, I think, is is really wonderful, and it kind of makes, like I said, I think this this episode gets very. Uh, kind of dark and uh, like I said there's so many twists and turns and betrayal and then to have this little little glimmer of light at the end of it I think is uh is a nice touch there so I I like them playing off each other even in in smaller roles here okay Jack you're out of here what someone made your bail Melanie I made a lot of salads to pay for this you shouldn't have. Hey, we're family, okay? I got a job for you. A real job. That is, if you don't mind washing dishes. Are you kidding? I was the best dishwasher in Julie Hall. Yeah, as you mentioned, not not tons for them to do. We get the other scene with Jack being interrogated and kind of being smarmy. So it's nice to have him have a little bit of a redemptive arc there at the end. Uh, it's unfortunate or fortunate, depending on uh, which character you're talking about, that we don't get uh, more of them in this uh, in the rest of this series here, as this is their uh, final appearances. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a nice little kind of uh, light 
you know, happy ending in a uh, episode that was uh, could have could have been rather dark towards the end based on how things went. So, agree with you there. It was it was nice to have have them have a scene together where we kind of get them both uh, on the straight and narrow here, and uh, a new path set out for this uh, this family that was unfortunately divided and and torn apart and and defined by uh, by crime their lives of crime. Yeah. So uh, from there, we, we can look at another uh, replacement voice actor. Uh, we have uh, Angie Harmon coming on as the new voice of Barbara Gordon, uh, replacing Stockard Channing, who had done, done the voice in the first two seasons. Um, we had, I believe, briefly talked about uh, Miss Harmon's performance because she does also voice Barbara in Return of the Joker. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, she does uh, only a few appearances appearances as Barbara in the main show but uh yeah as you said she has a she does get uh a a very funny one-liner off uh working with uh Parker Stevenson who's uh who's playing Paxton Powers in this episode uh uh uh, another recast speaking of which because uh, previously he had been voiced by uh by uh Carrie Elwes. Bruce Wayne? They're lying I tell you. Bruce Wayne's my mentor. He's like a father to me. Except he doesn't glow in the dark. Hey, I resent that. Where's my lawyer? I'll sue. I'll own this place when I'm done. Let's get out of here. And uh, I do remember us not being a, a huge fan of uh, Mr. Elwes's performance in that original episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't love <laughs> Mr. Stevenson. Like, I don't think he's bad, and he is funny in that last scene when he's playing off of uh, Miss Harmon as Barbara Gordon. But um, not. I don't. For as much time as he's on screen, I don't think he's uh, particularly good. Uh, I didn't. I I'm not a disagreement alarm, but I I didn't dislike his his uh, his role here. I think he fills that smarminess. He he, what's asked of him, he's the sniveling sort of willing to throw whoever needs to be under the bus in order to to get uh, to, to to get whatever he wants, as uh, as is the case with both the uh both the initial interaction between him and king where he where he uh sort of dismisses him and gives him breadcrumbs in exchange for this rare treasure that he stole all because it has a a little bit of damage to it um to the point where he's sort of groveling and and trying to convince king not to kill him and then where he's kind of uh excited at the end and feels like he's kind of got the upper hand of bruce i i think the the best scene definitely is though the the arrest scene with him sort of <laughs> threatening uh threatening barbara and then also uh his reaction once barbara throws out the line about bruce not glowing in the dark like his father uh soup that 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 was good but there's there's not a whole lot to the character it's it's pretty one-dimensional for this this episode and it's really uh really hard to judge i guess a, a character based on on one appearance but I didn't hate him, but there wasn't anything that I was like, that was great either. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Um, uh, uh, elsewhere on our cast, uh, we have uh, Ga- Gabrielle Carteris, who uh, voices uh, Paxton's assistant, Sable Thorpe. Um, folks probably know her best from a pretty long stint on uh, Be- the original Beverly Hills 90210, hmm. um, as well as a lot of other voice work and, and things like that to her to her credit as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny. Again, she doesn't have a lot to do because she's she's kind of meant to 
blend into the background, I think, until that final scene where you get the big reveal with her and King. But uh, but uh, I think she does a solid job again, what, which is why I would I would wonder if her if her character, her character design was based off of someone in particular, because she does definitely have that like very sultry, like raspy quality to her voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that if that this is based on like a particular actress or a particular role that I'm just not familiar with. But uh, I think she does a she does a solid job there. And then yeah, our, our lead villains um, returning to uh, to their roles. We have Sarah Douglas as Queen, and it's been a long time since we've covered the Royal Flesh Gang episode. So it's possible we've talked about this before. But she's Ursa in in the Chris Reeve Superman films. Did we? I don't remember ever talking about that before. No, I don't think so. I don't think we did. That's very interesting. But yeah, I, I I was looking at her today, and I was like, she looks familiar. And then I, I clicked on the thing, and yeah, sure enough, she was uh, she she was. Uh, so uh, I I really like her. And then she's playing off of, of course, King, uh, the returning George Lazenby. Uh, who would best be known for uh, playing James Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, also, of course, uh, played, uh, played Jor-El in a couple of episodes of the Superboy, uh, the live action series of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but uh, certainly the, the Bond role was, uh, was, uh, was certainly more famous to him. And actually, uh, as you pointed out, this grand line that leads to his ultimate comeuppance talking about how hard it is to work in another man's shadow <laughs> given that mr lazenby had to follow sean connery as james bond i assume that's a little bit of a uh, a wink and a nod to uh to you know what was by all accounts still a, a very strong and, and prolific career on camera and on the stage for for mr lazenby but uh but yeah a, a fun little meta line to throw in there but yeah i think uh i think mr lazenby and uh, and and sarah sarah douglas as uh, as queen they they carry this episode and they kind of have to because they're the main characters of it as mentioned but i think they're they're great together the way they they uh they they're sniping at each other kind of constantly throughout the episode in the way that an old married couple who hates each other would <laughs> yeah. uh and uh and there's even and something i think this is actually a note on the dcau wiki but there's even like a few moments where like the the prim and proper british accent kind of slips and you get some some slang from uh from uh, from king so it's like this idea that he's sort of putting on this air of being this sophisticated mastermind when really at, at his heart he's just a brute and a thug like uh, <laughs> you know any other criminal i think i think there's some really fun subtleties between those two in this episode and they they're they're, uh, they're both fantastic no they're they're great they have a lot of dialogue as you mentioned playing off of each other king playing off of paxton powers king playing off of batman king playing off of bruce uh so mr lazenby had had the lion's share of the episode and clearly was was more than up to the task to do so and uh they really did have to have that dynamic to 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 really drive home the fact that they're a couple that is that was once once deeply in love if you remember what you know the 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 original episode with them in it mm-hmm. they're 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 clearly very very uh d- deeply madly in love uh and and just seeing the the trajectory of what is what has come to you know 
between them at this point and as uh you know what what their relationship has come to is uh is pretty interesting and you really had to drive that home with the way that you interacted with each other they are really at each other's throats and um you know the, i i love that mr lazenby's uh, delivery is it's, it's sort of just crescendos to that final scene where he's just he's completely lost it like he's it's <laughs> like he doesn't really do a whole lot of screaming until that final scene where he's just completely lost it he's you know he doesn't care anymore he's uh you know dropping all pretenses of of being this refined uh you know british leader and he's just letting letting batman have it at, at that point and the the gloves are off the the facade is off and uh it's it ultimately leads to his undoing so it's uh it's pretty interesting that that's that's how that turned out but yeah great great performances by both of our leads there as uh as as uh as as you mentioned Absolutely. And then uh, speaking of leads, we, of course, do have uh, uh, the late Kevin Conroy and, and Will Friedle, uh as uh, as Bruce Wayne and, and Terry McGinnis Batman, respectively. And again, it's not really their episode. They are they are in it. And, and Bruce gets some, as you said, some kind of some funny moments uh, where he's, you know, where he hangs up on King and then his, his interactions with with King and and queen when they aren't uh when they when before terry kind of arrives on the scene uh so i think there's there's some there's some fun sort of quieter moments but it is it is uh, the majority as said is uh it's card puns and uh <laughs> and uh and and chess puns and, and crown and king and on all this stuff uh for both of them but uh, i do really like i will say wilfredell in the scene with melanie uh, in the alley, I think is very, very good. Um, where there's just this sense where he's not, he's, and again, that this is shown in the visual language of, of the episode two, where he's, he's not even, he can't look at her when, you know, when, he, when she asks him about, uh, you know, when she asks him about the note for Terry, he can't, he can't even look at her because it's, it's clearly still a very, you know, painful, painful moment in his life where he had to make this choice of whether or not he was going to, well, I can't say stay loyal because he did cheat on her but right. whether he was going to stay with dana and sort of stay on the path he was on or maybe take a chance and and go after the you know the unknown with melanie and it's clearly still painful and i think that comes out it's it's not a lot of dialogue but as uh you know as he as she explains that she's cut off from her entire family you know he he just says i'm sorry and then as she asks him about the note he just says yeah he got it like it's it's very it's very simple but how direct and how short he is. And, and again, this is paired with the visuals of the episode and, and the music, as you mentioned, uh, in that scene, it all kind of comes together there. But uh, I do think Wilfred Ellis is really, really strong in that scene, especially. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I love the dynamic between him and Bruce. Also, as I mentioned in the sort of the back and forth that they have in the negotiation scene, and then uh, the little bit of, of, uh, of uh, Woody repartee that they have after after the big fight scene at the end. And uh, as I mentioned, the uh, Bruce questioning where, where Terry was. And he said that, uh, that there was an ACE in the hole. And then Bruce responds with, well, I had one too, or whatever he says. It's really great. Like, I, I love that back and forth that they had. And, um, you know, it's uh, it, another week where we, we get a, a, a great uh, exhibition of what, the, uh, the the chemistry that that Mr. Conroy had with with uh, almost everybody that he ever was on screen with, but specifically for this show, 
um, you know, with, with Will Friedle's Terry and um, how, how that, uh, how that could be, that dynamic could be done for comedy, how it could be done for, you know, serious, uh, you know, in, in serious moments and, and drama and, uh, but uh, whatever was asked, you know, it, 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 they really gelled well together. And here season three, you're well into, into, uh, into their relationship there. And I, I'd mm-hmm. say that they were, they were pretty much uh, working on all cylinders here at this point. So yeah, strong, strong from both of our, our leads. Yeah. So, uh, so for all those reasons, I ended up settling on, I, I went with an eight out of 10. Like I said, I, I was not a fan of, uh, uh, Mr. Stevenson as as Paxton Powers, I think that brought my score down a little bit. Again, I don't necessarily think it's anything he did wrong. It's just so I just felt it was a little flat and a little one note. And maybe that's part of the point is that he's just this, you know, he's not a, he's not an interesting person. He's just a spoiled rich kid. And maybe that's <laughs> kind of part of maybe that was part of the direction for it. But for whatever reason, that didn't quite click for me. But I think uh, really, as we said, the, the, the strength of this episode, for sure, in addition to, uh, to of course, Kevin Conroy and Will Friedle, as always, is those performances by uh, Miss Douglas and Mr. Lazenby, just both uh, really, really uh, strong. And certainly the, the most they've gotten to do in every episode is the, you know, the previous two, certainly more focused on, on 10 and, and Terry and that, the, you know, the, the, the black cat, cat woman type of, you know, uh, forbidden fruit relationship with, uh, that Terry was was flirting with here, whereas this one is really really focused on king and queen, and you know perhaps unsurprisingly given their the, both of their pedigrees as actors, but they're uh, they're both fantastic. So uh, a strong eight out of ten for me. Yeah, and uh, even though I didn't dislike Paxton as much as you did, uh, I also gave it the same exact score an eight out of 10. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we're, uh, we're, we're really on the same wavelength here today. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a round so- solid uh, rounded out cast there and uh, for a fun episode and, and one that I, I wouldn't have necessarily remembered as a, as one that I would have ranked so high, but again, that's the fun sometimes of going through these episodes and, and giving mm-hmm. categories, individual scores and totaling up here at the end and, and getting an interesting total, which is a beautiful segue to totaling up our final scores for today's episode, totaling everything up, Liam. I end up with a 32 out of 40. And yes, if you're, if you're keeping score at home, I also have a 32 out of 40. It's, it's been a while since we've had an exact match <laughs> or at least where we matched in all four categories. Agreed. The final score. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been a while that used to happen like seemingly all the time. If you go back and listen to our earlier episodes, but uh, it's, it's been a while for that. Somewhere but, along the lines, uh, you got a lot more generous uh, with giving higher scores and things and I became cold and, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and just more brutally honest with my, my ratings is now I, I tend to give at least two, two to three points lower than you on most, <laughs> most episodes. It seems seems that way but yeah um, i hope we can jump briefly into rewatchability here i think this is an easy uh double thumbs up it's uh, it's important to the show it's the return of characters it's the end this is the end of this little royal flesh gang trilogy um complete with your your happy ending for for ten and jack you have the write-off of pax and powers here uh leads directly into you know at the start of return of the joker that's a that's a plot point is that after 
Paxton was uh, was taken out of power that Bruce has returned to to run to run Wayne Enterprises for the first time in X amount of years. So like there's 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 integral plot points to uh, to big stuff in the uh, in the in future DCAU things and and just as an episode of Batman Beyond, it's just a great episode. So I think this is an easy uh, two thumbs up. Yeah, I I concur. It's a great episode. It's integral to the 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 arc for this uh for this gang it's a recurring character as you mentioned plays into the whole uh the whole return of the joker plot so yeah i i definitely give this two thumbs up which again the the start of uh of this week i don't know that i would have would have said that because this episode didn't leave a lasting impression on me uh there weren't a lot of plot points that i remembered so that goes to show you you never know any any given week here at the dcau review am i right (laughs) absolutely you never know what to expect that's right all right well that'll begin to wrap us up for this week don't forget thank you so much uh, for tuning in thanks for supporting us that way if you'd like to support us some additional ways we have a multitude of ways to do so uh, the ways that are free, I will list those first. You can follow us on social media at DCAU Review. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at DCAU Review. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And uh, if your podcast app, such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts, allows you to leave a review, uh, five stars would be greatly appreciated. And uh, if the, the podcast uh, allows you to interact with it in some way, leave a, uh, leave a little blurb about why you like us. We had, uh, we had a couple recent reviews, Liam, we were looking at this week that we were uh, so, so kind of people to leave on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we appreciate those that, mm-hmm. uh, that have left uh, those little, little blurbs talking about the show. Uh, we do read them. We are thankful for you for leaving them. Uh, there was one that was just uh, just left last week, actually. So uh, thank you. Thank you to the listeners that continue to do that. And uh, remember, if you've left one before, apparently Apple Podcasts allows you to leave multiple. So if you are feeling extra generous, go back in and uh, and leave a little paragraph about what you're still enjoying about the podcast. We would uh, greatly appreciate that. If you listen to us on Spotify, uh, there is a weekly poll and question. You can interact with us that way. It's exclusive for our Spotify listeners. So you can check that out. Those are the free ways to help us out. If you uh, if you want to throw a couple of your hard-earned dollars our way, we would greatly appreciate that. Multiple ways to do that as well. Head over to anchor.fm slash DCAU review. And uh, there is actually a link there that you can give. It's also in our show notes. If you want to buy us a coffee or something like that, you can do that. Uh, by using that link. Uh, you can also head over to, uh, to dcaureview.com and uh, click on the store tab and uh, you can buy yourself a piece of merchandise from the podcast. Some great stuff there. It's also a link in the show notes. Uh, additionally, one final free way to support us, as we mentioned at the top, head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower, subscribe and, and like our videos. Uh, if, if you consume your podcast that way, it's a great way to support us as well. Speaking of podcasts and unpredictability, Liam, uh, we have an unpredictable week coming next week as we will return once again <laughs> with another double feature of Zeta Project episodes. Ooh. And, uh, you know, it, th- this week we, we have actually had some interaction from our friend Maddie from, uh, from Watchtower <laughs> Database. Maddie, thanks. If you're listening to this episode, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for being out. the one person who listened to this. 
the, the Zeta Project episode uh, and, and interacted with us with regards to yeah. it. So, so thank you for that. Uh, we will uh, we'll try to be maybe try to be a little kinder next week when we uh, when we review it just for just for your sake. That's right. But uh, yeah, so the, the next two episodes in order, it is, uh, and I mean this, I mean this more than I ever have. It's your kind of show, Puke Face. It's a double feature and it's uh, episodes six and seven in uh, watch order, which are Westbound and Hicksburg. Uh, just delighted to discover what those titles mean uh, for this show that we have never watched before. Um, but hey, we get through those two, and then the the crossover episodes coming. So right, where it's all leading in the next in the next future month, we'll yeah. actually have an interesting episode to talk about. But now we'll uh, we'll find something as as we always do. Sometimes the episodes where we feel like we have the least to say, and there ends up being a lot of riffing. Mm-hmm. So uh, those sometimes end up being some of the more fun episodes we do all year. So I am looking forward to coming back with two more Data <laughs> Project episodes next week cannot wait actually i can as i said <laughs> every time i can wait but <laughs> until then i'm cal i'm liam and we will talk to you on that next episode of the dcau review adios <laughs>